So Mark chapter 4, verses 21 to 41. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces corn, first the stalk, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. From little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. So goes that song by Paul Kelly and Kev Carmody. Do you know it? From little things, big things grow. It came out of, uh, the song came out when I was in early, or in primary school, and as I think about it now, I can see how little ideas planted in me about the same time produced big things. The most important idea planted in my head about that time was the message of the gospel. I was uh, in primary school and I learned about the gospel through a scripture teacher. I don't even know her name. Uh, I wonder if she even knows me if she even knows what sort of impact she had on me and on the rest of my life. I remember her singing songs. I remember her standing up the front of my class. I can see the blackboard in the background. Um, But uh, there's not a lot else. I can remember her telling us how we could pray if we wanted Jesus to come into our lives. And so as she went about the rest of her days and nights and months and years, that seed that she planted in me, the seed of the gospel, in the middle of a class of 30 or so noisy kids, 
began growing and went on growing and growing. From little things, big things grow. That refrain could be the theme of our passage today as Jesus teaches the crowds about the kingdom of God. Something else that is a little thing that ends up big is my iPhone light. You know what I'm talking about? That little thing back there, if I cover it with my finger, it doesn't do much, but when I uncover it, it goes quite a long way. I've used it on nighttime walks, uh, nighttime walks to the fridge. Um, it, it, it's, it's come in really handy and it gives light to the whole room. And Jesus says something about a light at the start of our passage. Will you have a look with me from verse 21? He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So, the light starts off obscured, but will eventually give light to the whole house. When Jesus tells this parable about the lamp, you could see this as a direct challenge to make sure your light shines brightly. You know that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Uh, The message of the song is to be bold, to stand out for God and make his light known. And while that is a great message, it actually misses the point that Jesus is making here. He's not actually calling for us to be bolder, although that's an implication. Because the way Jesus says it, the lamp is the subject of the sentence. Literally, his words mean, does the lamp come in order to be placed under a bowl or under a bed? What is this lamp? Is it us? No. This lamp is Jesus. Jesus is talking about himself. Jesus is the lamp that comes to the house. Just like in John chapter 1, uh, chapter one verse 9, where Jesus is described as the true light that gives light to everyone. Here in Mark 4.21, Jesus is the lamp. And he has been hidden obscured. The Son of God has been dwelling on earth for 30 or so years, but his ministry is so far confined to just one geographical area and a few thousand people. Not big by the world's standards. It's stifled, confined, like a lamp under a bowl or bed. But the time is coming where he's going to have much broader reach. As he says in verse 22, what is hidden is meant to be disclosed. What is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. From little things, big things grow. From a dusty and dark manger, Jesus' life on earth may have had small beginnings But just like that light brought out into the open, what he does will have far-reaching consequences. Just like the light that was under a bed, Jesus is going to be lifted up onto a stand to shine out across the whole kingdom of God. And so if Jesus is the lamp, 
and the lamp gives light to the whole house, there'll be nowhere for shadows. There'll be nowhere to hide, no shadows to lurk in, because the light will give light to the whole house. Verse 22 has that sense as well, that the lamp will expose whatever is hidden. The story of Jesus Christ is going to have far-reaching consequences, implications for the whole world. Jesus predicts a time when his light will extend to the whole house of God and every person's deeds will be exposed. So what will this light find as it extends across the globe? Let's take a look at what Jesus is expecting to find. Verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Jesus contrasts two ways that people will respond to this message as the light goes out across the world. And they apply to you if you're listening today. Consider carefully what you hear. If you show interest in the good news of Jesus Christ, and if you want more, you'll get more. But if you dismiss it, what little interest you had will quickly fade away. There's a term going around about this sort of thing that resonates with me. When you're interested, you want more, right? And some organisations call this leaning in, leaning in to the message. When someone gives you a message that you take notice of, you you lean in, you want more, you lean closer. When your favourite show comes on, you lean in to find out just what's going to happen this week. In a little while, HSC students will get their results, yes, And you can bet that they'll be leaning in to that text message or whatever and their family will be leaning in over their shoulder trying to find out what's going on. When your daughter comes home wearing an engagement ring for the first time, you lean in to try and find out just what happened. You're keen to soak up more of that message. Same here with this message. You're keen to soak up more of the message and what it means for you And then you will understand it more. It will become more relevant to you. From little things, big things grow. So Jesus is saying if you have interest in him, if you lean into his words, then you'll get what you're looking for. You'll learn more. You'll understand more. Your faith will grow. But there's another side to the coin in verse 25. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is the opposite of leaning in. Perhaps you might think of it in TV terms as changing the channel or just switching off. Or in today's parlance, scrolling through social media, you see an invitation, but you just scroll on. Scrolling on is actually an even better illustration than the TV one because of the technology of social media. As you might know, our apps are intelligent. For example, when you scroll past posts that you don't particularly care about, the app learns 
We've got an event coming up here at church, the Christmas carols, and that is uh, an event on Facebook, so it's official. It means you can also share it. And so people uh, among your friend group who are scrolling through their newsfeed will see this invitation to carols. But some of your friends won't be interested and they'll scroll past, keep scrolling on. The app learns and it will know not to give them those sorts of invitations in future. You may not like seeing the posts of your friend who loves motorbikes, but you're not interested. And so you scroll on. Eventually, you will see less posts about motorbikes or gardening or pottery or music videos. As you scroll past, what you ignore will eventually disappear from your feed, disappear from your consciousness. That's what Jesus is saying here. If you lean in and take interest, you'll get what you're looking for. But if you scroll past the message of Jesus, then it will be served up to you less and less. Eventually, you'll stop seeing that message completely. The point is this, consider carefully what you hear, what you listen to, what you take interest in. If you take interest in Jesus' words today, they will affect your tomorrow. And if you ignore Jesus' words today, they will affect your tomorrow. So take interest in the words of Jesus. Read and listen to what he's done He's done for you on the cross. Lean into what the implications are for you and your life. But be warned, even if you ignore the message of Jesus now, a time is coming when you'll wish that you hadn't, when you'd wish that you'd given it more thought. So take that opportunity to lean in and put your trust in him. These chairs are not very conducive to leaning in, are they? There's something else that starts small and ends up big. Seeds. Some of you have plenty of experience running a farm. Not me. Actually, I did study agriculture, um, but only because it was compulsory in the HSC. Uh, I'm no farmer. Uh, Thankfully, you don't have to be a farmer to benefit from Jesus' words in the next part of the passage. Let's have a look. Verse 26. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how, or by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed which is the smallest seed you can plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. Now, farmers and non-farmers, I have a question for you. What is the job of a seed? It's to grow. That's the job of a seed. To grow. Seeds grow. So if the kingdom of God is like a man scattering seed on the ground, then the kingdom of God is about growing. The kingdom of God is growing night and day. Uh, 
seeds grow. It's why you needed to mow your lawn before the rain yesterday. It's why your green bin keeps filling up. Seeds grow. And so too God's kingdom. It grows. And as verse 27 says, night and day, even when we're asleep, the kingdom of God is growing, spreading, developing, until the rolling hills are golden, full of wheat crop. That's encouraging because it's the opposite of what the critics say about the kingdom of God. Saying that his church is on decline across the world. No longer relevant, they say. But that's not how Jesus sees it. In fact, while the rest of the world is going about its business, the kingdom of God is growing, spreading out. Here in Port Macquarie, children are learning about Jesus in SRE just like I did 30-something years ago. In Asia, there's huge growth in churches as more people find out about Jesus, even if that growth is not officially recorded because the churches are doing it subversively. In your neighbourhood, the more seeds you plant of God's word, the more the kingdom of God is growing The seeds you've sown and forgotten about long ago are still at work even though you're not having anything to do with them. Even while you sleep. I was speaking at an event a few years back when a man came to seek me out after the event to thank me. To thank me for the work I did uh, in leading a Bible study that he was part of. I had to admit that I couldn't even remember his name. It was, it was a while ago. But he could remember me. But my failings are not enough to stop the growth of the kingdom of God. He's now a teacher. And through him, the word will spread even further. From little things, big things grow. A time is coming, verse 29 says, when the grain is ripe and the harvest has come. A time is coming, Jesus says, when there will be a harvest for the kingdom of God and all that growth will be seen. Well, if that first parable talked about the kingdom expanding like grain in a field, the growth concept is extended and reinforced in the second parable by focusing on just one plant. The seed of the mustard tree is indeed tiny, But when full-grown, the mustard tree can be six metres tall. Think about that. The seeds, which you could blow away with your breath, go on to become trees so big they'd stop a car. That which is so small and considered the least of all the seeds actually finds itself among the greatest of the trees of the field. Like this tiny mustard seed, the kingdom of God is growing from tiny beginnings. Look how big it is. God's church is billions of people strong. And when his people follow him, the church is like a mighty tree, marked with a strength that can bring real benefit to those who rely on it. Real benefit to its neighbours, just like birds that come and perch in its branches. 
And so it is with all of God's kingdom. Those things that appear to have a relatively small impact go on to play a big role in God's kingdom. From little things, big things grow. You probably know that about your life. The gospel may have had a relatively small beginning, a conversation with a friend, a whispered prayer, and you became a Christian. But it goes on to have a great impact as the kingdom of God does its work in you while you sleep, while you work, whether you recognize it or not, little by little, gradually having a bigger and bigger impact. In the kingdom of God, growth can be imperceptible from day to day. But when we look at what was at the end compared to what we began with, we see the branches of a mighty tree, immovable, reliable, thanks to the work of God in us every day. The parables continue. And in verse 33... Mark returns to the theme he established earlier, like a bookend either side of his teaching about the seeds. Verse 33, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Jesus spoke many parables. It was all parable. Parable after parable. Nothing other than a parable. Potentially confusing. But again, there would be benefit for those who chose to lean in and absorb what Jesus was saying. And they would uncover some good teaching, a small light that becomes big, a handful of seeds that become a harvest, a tiny seed that becomes a big, reliable tree. God's kingdom is growing. And if you are living for Christ, God's kingdom is growing you too. If we continue the illustration, the fruit of the gospel is also full of seeds, seeds which then go on to grow the kingdom even more. So as you talk about the gospel with your friends and neighbours, you sow a seed that goes to work. As God's love overflows in you, and you start to do good deeds as you thank God for what he has done for you, well, God's love overflows in you, and it spills out into the people around you. What has relatively small actions can even have big consequences, as the kingdom takes a hold in those people's lives as well. You may not even see the growth, Because like the tree, daily change can be imperceptible. But when you look at the impact years and decades later, what started little may be strong and reliable. That little act that you did might be the act that changes the world for a person. With God, nothing is impossible. So Jesus is inviting the crowd to learn to lean in, but how could they be sure that Jesus was worth leaning into? The spotlight is turned onto them and also onto you as the question is asked, is Jesus trustworthy? 
or is he just all talk? I've had some great teachers and uh, no doubt Jesus was a great teacher, but even Paul Kelly can teach from little things, big things grow. Why should I listen to Jesus any more than Paul Kelly? Why should I trust Jesus' words any more than Paul Kelly's? How do I work out who to trust? One way to start answering that question, who should I trust, is to think about who shouldn't I trust? I'm wondering if you've ever been given driving assistance from the backseat driver. Usually, uh, well actually, it can can, uh, vary, but uh, the most infuriating for me is the five-year-old backseat driver. You know what I mean? The person who's in the back seat telling you how to park or when to pull out into traffic and chances are their feet couldn't even reach the pedals. The five-year-old telling me it's time to change lanes, Dad. Oh, or Benjamin. Uh, But what's infuriating is that they're teaching something that they're totally incapable of doing themselves. In contrast, this next passage shows us that Jesus is no backseat driver. Verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. That's some teacher. Like no other teacher I know. No other teacher is able to totally silence a storm. How did he do it? Verse 39, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. The same words Jesus used earlier to rebuke demons in Mark's gospel. He now uses to show his control over nature. Not just partial control, The verse tells us it was completely calm. And even more than that, Jesus did it with nothing more than a quick, powerful word. This is authority. It's no parable either. Jesus isn't just like a still, calm lake. He really made that lake to be still. It's a demonstration of his power. It's a double underline of his authority. Jesus' authority to teach about the kingdom of God. The second-rate teacher tells us what they think the kingdom of God is like. But if you want to know who to trust, trust the one who actually controls the kingdom of God to tell you what it's like. Not just the one who shows understanding of the kingdom, but the one who has authority to act as king. That's who you should be putting your trust in, the one who has the authority of king. Jesus' actions on the lake that day in front of his disciples show his teaching about the kingdom of God to be totally trustworthy because Jesus is the king talking about the kingdom. And his miracle on the lake is an example of what he was talking about earlier, that lamp 
beginning to shine out across the rest of the world, Jesus' work is increasing both in how public it is, in how remarkable it is, right up to the pinnacle of his work, his death on a cross and his very public resurrection, proving his power over death, his control of the kingdom. The kingdom of God continues to grow. The very king is teaching you about it and he wants you to be part of it. As for the disciples, they didn't know what to think. Look at verse 40 to 41. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Both Jesus and his disciples are asking questions that invite an answer from you. The first is in verse 40. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? If you are a follower of Jesus, what is there to be afraid of? By faith you have received the seed of his word planted in you. By faith you have received his salvation growing in you so that you become a mighty tree, immovable, reliable, The time has come to stop being afraid and instead to put your trust in the king and boldly live for him. And in doing so, you'll be sowing a seed, a seed of God, which God willing will grow the kingdom further and further still into something dependable and reliable for generations to come. And in verse 41, the other question Asked by his disciples, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? What's your answer to that? Because if your answer is, Jesus is a good teacher, just a good teacher, then you're totally ignoring the premise of that question, which is Jesus has command over the wind and the waves. Even the wind and the waves obey him. You see, that's because Jesus is king. And the story of his kingdom is the seed which grows and grows bigger every day. You can't ignore it. The kingdom of God is like a seed growing into a huge tree. Thirty-something years ago, a scripture teacher sowed that seed in me. Although in my mind I can see her at the front of the classroom, I don't know who she is. And I doubt she even knows I responded. I was just a 10-year-old kid. The word had small beginnings in me, but now here I am preaching the gospel to you. Don't ignore it. What will the gospel produce in you? Will it produce growth as you become stronger, more resilient, more joyful, more trusting in the king? Will it produce acts of kindness as the love of God overflows out of you into your community and sows even more seeds, producing a rich harvest at the end. Now is the time for you to lean in to the story of Jesus' life, to lean into his teaching and to respond to him in faith daily. Because from little things, big things grow. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, you have given us amazing teaching. And Lord, you are a great teacher. But even more than that, you are king over creation. Lord, you are king over the kingdom. You are king over us. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves to you as king. Produce in us a rich harvest and move us to sow your seed today and this week and for the rest of our life. Even though it's hard to see change, Lord, help us to trust in you, for at the end you will produce a rich harvest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.